Today on First Lady and Friends, I had a great conversation with a good friend of mine, Steve Wright from Boncom at Bonneville Communications. We just talked about everything, but mostly uh, what he does in his work to change behavior through advertising and all the good things that can come from that. Uh, we're just having a great conversation. I hope you enjoyed as much as we did. Let's get proximate. Welcome to First Lady and Friends. We're excited to have this episode. Uh, we have a great friend, somebody that I've been working with for a long time. I'm so excited to have you meet him. His name is Steve Wright. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we, we have a hard time getting going on this podcast today because we like to sit and visit. So this might be a little bit of a gab session, which we love. So, But we've been working with you. Well, I'll just let you tell a little bit about uh, where you work and what you do. Okay. Okay. I work for uh, Bonneville Communications, uh, Boncom for short. And um, we're an ad agency full service that is exclusively working on projects that create good in the world. And so when we heard about your initiative, the very first phone call we met is it said, whatever you need, we're in. We want to participate. Which was so awesome because we didn't know what we were doing. And we said, yes, whatever it is that you can do to make us uh, look legit and feel legit and be able to spread our message, we were excited. So it's been a really great relationship with with Show Up and Boncom. And we just couldn't be happier and prouder. If you see, you know, to us, to those loyal listeners who know all about Show Up and you've seen our our stuff and you've seen our logos and all the ads and stuff we do, it's that's all Boncom. That's all you guys. It, it's us, but without the great content and without the great story and all the individuals that are involved, it wouldn't be as effective of content as it currently is. So but you, a tribute but you, to you. I know. I was going to say, but what you guys do is really um, share that message in the language of of our audience and of the, the state and the people that we serve. So I, it's, it's really a cool thing. And I am zero, I have zero creativity um, in me. And so when I see things and people that are creative, I'm, I'm just, I, I feel really happy about it because I can't do that. You and Steve, you're the idea guy. That's what's no, so fun. Well, I, okay. I have to tell a story though. Can I tell a story? <laughs> yeah, is sure. that okay? I don't okay. know what it is, but go yeah, for it. We're just going to go for it. Okay. So you may not be, the creative person, as you say, but you drive passion into circles that are unknown. Mm. And I still remember the very first meeting. We came over to the mansion. We sat down. We had the Boncom team with, with the first ladies team. And the first question I asked you, I said, what are you going to focus your initiative on? And this is before a name or anything. And the first thing you said is like, I don't just have one focus. I have four things and I've worked with multiple first ladies on campaigns and initiatives and none of them have I ever seen say, I'm going to do four things. And then you went forward with foster care, unified sports, service projects, um, educator, educator wellness. Yeah. I mean, it was a massive undertaking. Yeah, it still is. <laughs> it still is. Still is. I don't know if we're <laughs> where we've gotten to yet, but, uh, making great progress, yeah, making yeah. great progress. Yeah. It's a, it's a. It's a process. It's, you know, it's not a, it's not a destination. So it's a journey. So we're, we're still on it. And what a journey to be on. Seriously. Yeah, it's, like, it's really cool. I mean, that's, people always ask you like, oh, you know, what are you, why'd you get in, you know, why are you doing stuff and why do you care and about this? And it really is kind of one of those things like you don't get when you become a first lady, you don't get a playbook, you don't get a 
manual. You don't get a how-to guide. It's just you just decide what you're passionate about, what you yeah. where you think you can be the most helpful, where you you know I I kind of run into uh stay how do I stay in my lane? Because <laughs> sometimes you can um overstep your bounds and sometimes people want you to overstep your bounds in different areas and I'm like, uh is that on mission? Is it on brand? Is it yeah. on, you know, yeah. are we 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 can't take on too much. Do but. you find that the mission of the brand though has evolved? From where you first started? Oh yeah, I, I think so for sure. It's it's just a matter of what what fits in there, and and we fit a lot in there. I mean, so some people will, they'll, they'll see me as uh, you know those are the you the the four focus areas that you named, but it, it's interesting because there's like you know mental health and um, early childhood education and early childhood mental health. And there's, you know, I've been, I just had a meeting this morning with, and last night with some military folks and, and we were talking about military families and families that have dis- kids with disabilities and, and how are they, you know, some policies around. And so it's, it, I'm like, well, yeah, that kind of fits in my mission and, and our, you know, what we're trying to accomplish. But at the same time, it, it we get a little mission creep too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and people want your spotlight and people want that. But anyway, we're here to talk about you, Steve. <laughs> no, no, I you and I share a similar story and so I I love this. This yeah. is fantastic. So, but let's go back to the to the Wayback Machine and let's talk about like where did you grow up? Talk a little bit about okay. your family and let's just talk about you. I am um I'm the token Canadian. Mm, who works at Boncom. You know, right. everybody, every every Connect. organization needs their Canadian. Yes. Um, but I grew up in Vancouver, Canada. And uh, funny enough, uh, my uncle and my dad's very, very best friend were both very, very successful advertisers. Mm. And when I was like 13 years old, one of them came to me and said, hey, would you like to be in a TV commercial? And as a 13-year-old, I thought, well, that's amazing. Yes, I want to be on TV. And he said, well, I will give you $25 if you come in. And it was for a furniture warehouse company. Mm. And I sat on the couch and smiled and they took my picture and I was in an ad. <laughs> and ever since then, I thought, well, advertising's for me. I mean, I get paid to get my picture taken. You know, what could be better than that? <laughs> That's amazing. When I was a kid, my dad, uh, my parents owned an office supply store. And in Mount Pleasant, Utah, called Palmer's Office Supply. Okay. And... I was a little kid, little. I mean, I don't even think I was in school yet. I was preschool. I was four or five. And my dad had me come down and do a radio ad with him. I don't even remember. I don't even know if it's archived anywhere. Were you selling post-it notes? Was that, was yeah, that the radio was, ad? Yeah. I don't know what I was selling, but I remember that's I like it's so long. I was so little that all I remember is I remember the, the studio. Okay. I remember yeah. walking into a studio almost that looks a little like this. And and doing some kind of I don't even remember what it is, but I you also, sang a song, didn't you? It was a jingle, it's say, jing, a jingle about staples and post-it notes. I can <laughs> I can see it now. I don't think, but I did do. I do remember sitting at my kitchen table with my mom and hearing it on the radio, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh hey, that's, that's me. me. <laughs> so yeah, you you know that okay. So the recognition when you see. What you've created, mm. you know, whether it be in advertising, media, whatever, there's a little bit of like, that's mine. 
Yeah. You know, like driving up and down I-15, I can't help to look at billboards that we're part of, you know, trying to create good in some aspects in Utah. And I go, I was part of that. I was part of a team that put that message together that's trying to help people. And then when somebody comes up to you and goes, hey, have you seen that new billboard that says you need to save a life? And you're like, yes, I may have been part of that one. (laughs) I mean, it's something that like makes your heart warm. Yeah. So. Which is know. way better. Well, and we can get into that, but I do want to. I, I want to put that on the shelf for a minute because okay. I want to come back to that. Yeah. But I want to. So after, after you you did your whole childhood in Vancouver. No. So when I was 16 years old, my dad came to me and said, "We're moving to Utah." And as a 16 year old in a high school Not that cool. I just kind of hit my, you know, I'm getting slightly out of my awkward stage. I have some good friends, and to pick up and pack our bags and move to. Uh, Springville, Utah, mm. from downtown Vancouver, it was a little bit of a shocking moment. And I still remember the day that my brother and I were driving our our, our kid car, you know, following my parents, and we were entering into Springville, Utah. We were driving a little Suzuki Samurai, right? <laughs> and we're crossing all these farm fields. And I look at my brother and I was like, uh, I, I don't know how to farm. I don't, I don't know how to ride a horse. I didn't, like, I didn't bring my shovel. <laughs> yeah, I, I, should I get rid of my skateboard? Like, I don't, I don't know what to do here. And it actually turned out to be a wonderful experience. I have all kinds of great friends in Springville, Utah. But I, I graduated from Springville High School, you know, as again, the token Canadian of Springville. <laughs> um, but then I went on and I went to BYU, you know, and I studied advertising. And uh, uh, then coming out of that, I packed my bags and I moved to New York City. It's mm. crazy. Crazy, crazy. So did you immediately start work in New York or were you going to more school? I did. So when I graduated, I graduated in advertising and okay. BYU has this incredible advertising program. Yes. I think it recently was ranked number one in the nation. So credit to them. Shout out to the Cougars out and there. And shout out to our mutual friend, uh, Kevin Kelly. Oh my goodness. Who was part of that. I believe, I don't know my if he was part of that mentor. at that time. Yes, he right? was. Good friend of mine. Fantastic. His wife, Khalil, is a dear, dear friend. Both I still get are. random phone calls from Kevin saying, I got this idea, Steve. <laughs> and about half of them, I'm like, those are brilliant. The other yeah. half, I kind of go, well, Kevin, let me get back to you. Okay. I'm so. <laughs> totally going to have Kevin and Khalil on my show on this program because he they are like the most interesting people in the world. Fantastic Raised people. their, I think, nine kids or ten? Nine? Nine, nine. kids. Half in, of them work with me. so you In know. Manhattan. Crazy. Like, that's nuts. <laughs> well, and I don't know if you know this about Kevin. Kevin is like amongst the top five or six most successful, creative, innovative advertisers in the nation. I mean, he is a legend. And so, I don't know, to be mentored by him at BYU. And he does, they just happened to decide to find a little house in Fairview, well, just outside of Fairview. And Were they you neighbors? Yeah, they moved. To they, they moved to our our congregation. That's crazy. Yeah, so I knew him. That's how I met him because they just anyway. There we'll have them on the program sometime because they are just. They'd have a great story to tell. They're so great. Anyway, well, and you know Kevin's one of his first jobs was at Boncom. I don't know if I knew that. Yeah, so when he was just coming out of school, before he w- took off for New York City to become you know the legend that he is, yeah. he spent several years at Bonneville Communications. Creating, I believe, the I'm home a Mormon, series. and those I'm a Mormon. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's songs. about it's about time. Yes, all the. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's right. That's I did Kevin. know that. Yeah, I did know that. Yeah. Oh, I mean, so I get to stand on his shoulders and the legacy that he created. Yeah. 
to replicate. Yeah, so, he just just stuff. incredible. So you you spent time in New York. Uh, how long were you there? Very short. I went out there. Uh, I met our mutual friend Jeff Taylor. Oh yes, and I was uh, under him uh, as a creative art director. And uh, it was one day that I was sitting in my little teeny studio apartment that I was massively overpaying for. And I thought to myself, I was like, I don't think that this is for me. And I had to make the hard decision to go in and say, I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. And I ended up coming back to Salt Lake City and Mm -hmm. finding a wonderful career and opportunity here that uh, led me into cause marketing and behavior change, which is where I focused the last 15 years of my career, which Mm -hmm. has been awesome. So when did you meet your wife? Oh, along that um, journey. Yeah, coming. Okay. Oh my goodness! If she listens to this, she's gonna be so mad. <laughs> I left New York to come back to Utah to find my wife. Oh, there it That's is. That's the official is. statement. Okay, okay. It had nothing to <laughs> we'll, do with we'll my edit career. That right in. Yes, yes. Go ahead and <laughs> scrub that. Um, no, I, I met Megan. Um, it was the summer I moved back from New York, and. Um, you know, I was, you know, not the atypical BYU kid who graduated, you know, without a significant other. Yeah. And coming back, we had some mutual friends that introduced us and uh, it was love at first sight. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw her and I was like, okay, I understand that I'm nearly 30. Hopefully I'm not that awkward older guy and you still have interest in me. But uh, <laughs> she she, she, she held my hand and I, it, it turned into something special. Uh, you know? And now we got three kids. Uh, yeah. Tell me about your kiddos. Oh, my kiddos are awesome. I told you I'd want to talk about my kids. They're so They're cute. my favorite topic. They're so cute. Uh, my oldest is Hudson. He's 11. He's 11 going on 22. Yeah. And uh, he is the biggest talker I know. And he just uh, is full of creativity. Um, I mean, from every single little sketchbook to doodling on the side to mm. building things. I mean, he's just uh, he's a talker and a creative, mm. which I'm like, mm, advertising mm, sounds about right. I don't know where he would. Get I don't such know where he thing. gets that thing. <laughs> uh, and then my my second uh, little boy, he just turned eight. Um, so I got to, I got to baptize him in the eldest church this, this last weekend. And it was such a special moment. And I have to tell you one little story about him. I said, Hey, do you want to share anything, you know, with your friends and family at your baptism? And he said, and he's very, very shy. And he said, dad, can I sing my favorite song? And I was like, I mean, I don't sing. His mom doesn't sing. We're terrible. We have no (laughs) musical abilities. And we said, sure, Jack. So he gets up in front of everybody and his piano teacher starts playing a little song and in front of everybody, he sings this song, all four verses, and just puts everybody in tears. And it was like the most Aww. special little moment from an eight-year-old who can barely talk to you. Instead, he sings in a heartfelt song. So, oh, I love Special that. Jack. Um, so and then my, my, my little princess, mm. Stella, she's five. She's in uh, preschool. She's running the show, oh. isn't she? <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> she runs the show. She does run the show. Every a, morning she wakes us up. I have a baby up. girl that oh. runs the show. <laughs> and and uh, special, special, special in every way. And, and as creative as her brothers mm. and just as feisty. So <laughs> they're, they're getting me a run for my money, though. Oh, and so great. For sure, for sure. Oh, I love that. Kids are the best. They're, they're the they're the. They're the reason we keep going. They're the reason we do everything we do. I love it so much. Um, I think we we need to celebrate parenthood a little bit more. I think we've we've had a little weirdness about parenting, and I think this this next generation feels like it's not it's not for them. And I'm telling you, it's for you. It is for you, my kids. It's it for, you. for you. <laughs> well, and don't I mean. 
okay, we're not going to go down, down this path. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I got this conversation the other night that it's like all these responsibilities that we're putting on our teachers and educators, mm-hmm. they're not responsibilities that we should have at home. Yes is the answer. An emphatic yes. An emphatic yes. Yes. Like I look at the things that my wife and I do to commit to the success of our kids and I see open conversation all the time to say, we need to better prepare our teachers to do these things. And I'm like, no, mom and dad, those are our responsibilities. We should do that in tandem with the support from our teachers. Yes. I mean, I go into every one of my teachers. I know my, my kid's principal. By first name basis, we text all the time, and we are a village to ensure our kids' success. Yeah, we could talk that. about this one for yes, hours, forever because but... you and I both oh. share the, that passion of, of yeah. I think and and if there if there was any plug, go and make sure you know who your teachers are. Yes, take take good care of them. Um, you know when you can when your teachers know that um, you have their back. It's it's a game changer for game your changer. kid, for them, mm-hmm. for you. That relationship is one of the most important your kids will ever have. So, yep. well, a little secret for our listeners: your kid needs a little extra help in school. If the teacher's your friend and they know who you are and they know your commitment to your kids, mm-hmm. they will keep an eye out for <laughs> your son or your daughter and make sure they get the help that they need to be successful. And I have seen this a hundred times. Yep. And they will text me and say, Steve, Hudson's coming home with a special homework assignment that I need you to do with him tonight. And that line of communication is ensuring that my kids are successful at school. That's exactly right. It's, it is a village and I'm telling you, it's, it's, you're doing it exactly right. That's awesome. Well, exactly right. No, I fail every <laughs> single day. My kids tell me I fail oh, I know, every single day. But, it's great when they tell you. But I'm you. trying. I know. I'm trying. And that's, that's yeah. what matters. So I want to get into talking about the behavior change and the, and the things that you're working on. Yes. And we will do that when we come right back. We're back here with Steve Wright from Boncom. Uh, we're having a blast off air. I really feel bad that you're not hearing all this, but we're going to get back in yes, yes. and talk about, uh, you know, you're, you, you get back, you're, you're starting to see this. What, what I've seen is my, my, I had a son that was kind of interested in advertising, but, uh, they were like, I don't, you know, I don't want to be advertising for some business that I don't care about or I don't. So I love the idea of, of, you know, Boncom's mission and, and what you guys do there. So talk a little bit about this behavior. Um, I don't know. Do you call it behavior change? We do. do you call yeah. it? Yeah. Behavior change. I mean, yeah. there, there was an individual. Let me see if I can quote this right. Don't we have to Google it. In like the early seventies, they came out and said, advertising is too powerful of a tool to be used for items that don't create good in this world. Mm-hmm. And you think of how many times you're influenced subtly or directly by advertising to buy something you don't need, to do something you shouldn't do. And the thought is, if we can use those same principles to educate the masses on adopting some sort of positive behavior, we created good in the world. And so, you know, we work on projects from suicide prevention to strengthening families, to religious outreach, to political civility, you know, to wildfire prevention. And we use similar tactics that are used by Google, Facebook, YouTube to target you and help you to adopt a positive behavior to somehow make society a little bit better. Yeah. And I love that so much because we we do see, I mean, advertising is everywhere. Advertising is Absolutely everywhere now. And so, you know, to have something, if it's going to be in your face, to me, it feels like 
you know, doing something positive is, is a perfect is a perfect business model in my in my eyes, 100%. and it's kind of where we went with our you know our campaign too. Mm-hmm. Is like we tried really hard to, you know, if we're going to be unique, it's that you, maybe you know. I I read one book on marketing a long time ago, <laughs> the Purple Cow. The, oh, that's the one of the best. Cow. So it's you tell them about the Purple yes. Cow. Well, okay, so yeah, the whole idea is like you got to stand out from the clutter. You know, yeah. like there's so much out there, and really, let's be honest, there's a lot of garbage out there that complicates the world. And one of the beliefs that we have at Bondcom that almost transcends this behavior change model is that people's beliefs and and actions may not be totally aligned. You know, I want to tell people that I'm this great person, that I do all these great things, but in all reality, if I actually do it or not, may be vastly different than what my beliefs are. And so through a lot of the programs that we do, and this is similar to what Purple Cow talks about, is like, how do we align people's beliefs with their behaviors? Give them enough normal, natural opportunities to actually bring their beliefs to life through positive actions. Mm -hmm. And from foster care, you know, to unified sports, to engaging with your teachers in a healthy way, you know, aligning those beliefs and behaviors is only going to bring positive impact to our larger environment. Yeah, and I and I love that. I mean, again, you see you see ads everywhere. I mean, your kids are a prime example of this. Like, how many times have your kids like come to you and be like, "Mom, I want this." Mom, I've seen this, or Mom, or they start singing a song that you. Know, I mean, you do that. You sing a jingle, or you sing something, and it's like it's you don't realize how much you're seeing and and. And how much of an influence it is. Absolutely. And then they bring in, you know, these celebrity endorsements. It's like, if they do this, I should do this. And, you know, one of the principles behind that that we actually get to do for the positive side of this is there's something called authority bias. And advertisers use this all the time that if they bring in a great spokesperson, a doctor who recommends this product, you know, a a professional athlete who says, you know, I only wear these shoes – then we feel a little bit of like peer pressure mm-hmm. to be part of that crowd. And with the principle of authority bias, we can use individuals that are doing good in the world and ask people to role model their behaviors. And so you always want to be part of this, you know, heuristic that you're, you're part of the, the herd, if you will. You, you're, you're part of the collective good. And if individuals role model positive behaviors through some of these, you know, advertisements that are asking us to adopt something amazing, then we want to follow their example. But it, it we need to create good to replicate good. Yeah. And I think that's the case, you know, with any of these different campaigns that for show up to create good, good people have to be involved. Yeah. yeah and, and yeah, it's, it's such a, such an interesting field. Um, did is advertising because you talked about it from the beginning is is advertising marketing or what are you, what are you seeing the changes from when you started i mean it's it's so it's got to be so different now oh, than when yeah. you first started and talk about maybe and maybe they're good maybe they're bad it's probably both it's kind of yeah everything. i think it's a little bit of both i think um some of the modern tactics mm-hmm. kind of scare people a little bit you know, because the ability to do targeting in the digital space, you know, is is eliminating a lot of the, the clutter, you know, and it's delivering a higher degree of effectiveness, you know, for some of the ads. But 
you know, I mean, every, I get this question all the time, Abby, the people are like, Hey, uh, does my phone actually listen to me? Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Yeah. You know, is it does. And they're like, well, I was talking about, you know, the new shoes I needed to buy. And then it showed me an ad. And I was like, exactly. That is exactly how that works. And it's getting smarter, yeah. you know, but the degree of privacy that you have, you know, it's is creepy. becoming <laughs> almost creepy. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, we can also predict, you know, a lot of different trends based on some of the social profiles that people are populating. And so we kind of know where trends are in society and we can almost offer up system services or products to complement those trends. And so it can be used for good as much as it can be used for creepy, yeah. you know, yeah. as you said. I, it's funny because I, I get annoyed that it's not targeted enough. I know. So if I'm cut through all the clutter, don't give me any of the garbage. I'm like, I already bought that. Why are you still giving that to me? You should know that I already bought that. My favorite one is when you buy something. They're like, can we recommend these other products? Yeah. That may or may not be related, but we're just going to offer recommendations, and then you end up buying like two or three of those because. Heaven forbid we need more stuff, right? Yeah, but it also goes to that belonging too, doesn't it? I, I've just been thinking lately so much about the power of belonging mm-hmm. and how we can find it in a lot of different ways. And hopefully we're finding it in, in good ways. But that you talked about, you know, the herd mentality or whatever. But I mean, like, that's really another word for belonging, right? It I want to, I want to belong mm-hmm. and we can find, I've, I've just, I don't know. It's just been, and you can use that power, I guess, for good or evil. <laughs> you know, you, you absolutely can. And I mean, and I, I look at that and go, yes, and there is a place where we need to belong yeah. because we as a society need to be one collective unified effort in, in order to create, you know, masses amounts of good in this world. But at the same time, don't give up your independence. You know, you've yeah. got to be yourself and stand up for the things that you represent and that you believe in. But do it in a way that doesn't, you know, complicate, squish, push out other people's independence because we're still all part of one community, one society, one collective whole. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's exactly right. I I don't know. It's tough. Okay, so I I love this, and you and I could talk forever. But I did. We were having a conversation the other day about books. So we both yes, are like yes. Audible junkies, and so I oh, thought it would be goodness. really fun before we end to talk about the books we're reading. The books we're reading. So oh, my I have to always. Okay. Let, I know. Okay. So look it up. Look, see yeah, gotta go. Gotta go to my Audible account. Right. I know. Yeah, I just finished yeah. mine yesterday, so I'm a little panicky. Like I get a little panicky if I don't have one in the queue ready yep. to go. Oh, gotcha. So right now I'm feeling a little panicky, but I just finished Devil in the Grove. Do you know this book? No. What's it about? So it's about uh, Thurgood Marshall and the NAACP and the Groveland Boys case, which was. Um, the the there were four um, black men in Florida in the late forties. Okay, okay. Two of them, I think, two of them were um, World War Two veterans had returned from war. Um, some of the stuff that went on in the South in Jim Crow is just so mind boggling to me that I it, it's really hard for me to even begin to wrap my head around it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, they were. It was that whole story and Thurgood Marshall and his work in the NAACP. But it's it's a fascinating story. What's the lesson you take from it? Every book I read, I take one lesson. It's like, this is what I need to do different in life. What's what's your lesson? Oh, gosh. Um, is that too much to put on? I know. I 
I think it's it's the lesson, as always, when I read anything civil rights related, it's get proximate, talk to people that have a different story than you so that there is not fear. I love that. Um, for me, the unknown is always fearful mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. don't listen to the rhetoric about somebody or a group of somebody. If you don't know them, you, you really if you haven't gotten proximate to them to listen to their show, you really don't know them. No. No. And so for me, and it's also, let's never, ever, ever let something like that happen to our society. And let's continue to get better mm-hmm. with race relations and getting to know people and being around people that are different from you and being friends with somebody that, that has a different story. That's always the lesson for me in these, in these kind of things. But I heard yeah. one the other day that you only, you judge what you don't know. Mm. And I thought that's brilliant. Yeah. You know, because how many times I, I hear something on the surface and immediately I, I develop an opinion about yeah. it. Yeah. But my opinion is based on what? A, a thought? An expectation? You know, I got to ask the right questions if I really want to understand. The other one that I love is um, you don't have to believe every thought you have. No. That's <laughs> we so get good. thoughts all the time. I have lots of thoughts. It doesn't mean you have to believe them. Yeah. Some of my thoughts are terrible. You know, <laughs> I, know right? I don't believe those thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, let those I, go. That was such an epiphany to me. Okay, so That's tell me good. about what That's book. Good. What's your Okay, book? I'm going to go the same line. But it's an interesting book that had kind of a a weird takeaway for me. Mm. And I think I mentioned this to you the other day that – so there's a book called Never Split the Difference. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay? Yep. And the whole book is about negotiation, right? right. And it goes through the – you know, a, an FBI guy and how he negotiates with hostages. And it's as much entertaining as it is educational. But one of the things in it that kind of stuck with me is he talked about how he engages with people just on a daily level mm-hmm. and how he – if he makes every conversation personable and about them and about their experiences and uses their names, that it helps him to negotiate what he sees as a win-win. You know, that if you walk up to the counter at the 7-Eleven and you're going to buy a Slurpee, you know, and you say, you know, Susie, it's so good to see you today. How much is a Slurpee today? And then she just waves a magic wand and goes, oh, come on, Steve, for you, today it's free. Enjoy it. You know, (laughs) you got exactly what you wanted, but you made a positive experience in her life and her day Mm. by engaging in a very nice and normal way. And it was a small little chapter in the book, but I took it to heart to go, I can have a nice, positive interaction with almost anybody yeah and it doesn't have to be manipulative no in yeah. the in the in the negative sense mm-mm, mm-mm. yeah yeah that's and really cool that's the part i mean it was kind of a funny lesson to take out of a book about you know high level negotiation yeah but you know hostage negotiation now that you're but, talking about it, i think i did read it years ago this one? i really do it's a yeah. it's a great one it's a yeah. great one i think it was a new york times bestseller at one point but yeah can i tell you my guilty book that i read yes it was fun it was a fun one green lights Oh, is it the Matthew McConaughey story? Oh, you were telling me. That's oh, right. it's so fun. But yeah. I, I tell everybody, I was like, don't read it. You got to listen to an audible because yeah. he's the one who does it. Yeah. And he has one of those voices that everybody wants to talk like Matthew McConaughey. He's so good. You know, everybody um, imitates. Yeah, everybody. yeah, yeah. But I mean, talk about a guy in his book. He just he lived free. He yeah. did whatever he wanted to do whenever he wanted to do it. So it's a very entertaining book. There's some good lessons in it, but you know, I won't right. spoil it for the readers. So Well, the other one that, that we talked about, I think after you told me about the that book, was the Bono book that I just finished. Oh, did you love it? I absolutely loved it. It you I know, haven't I haven't read it yet. I put it in my queue it. after Again, you mentioned it. That's the other one that you have to listen to. You yeah, really do yeah. have to listen to it. Iconic voices. 
iconic voices, and it's a story that he, I mean, he tells. It's beautiful. He is a poet. He is an artist. He mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and he's reading it, and it's it's autobiographical, of course, and and sort of a biography of the band as well. But it's it's also his creative process. And his, I mean, he's reading it to you and you feel like you're just in a cozy little room in Ireland (laughs) and he's, and he's telling you a story, a bedtime story. And I mean, the, the, the people he's been around and, you know, the work, the the humanitarian work he's done in Africa and around the country and, um, and, and how, you know, his band wasn't always totally on board with what he was doing and how he worked with, you know, the first person he worked with was President Clinton on the, the AIDS, you know, African yeah, AIDS yeah. aid. And um, and then it was George W. Bush and, you know, completely different political views and, and, and different political leanings than his himself. And yet he he worked with him and his his senior cabinet, you know, people and. And I mean, he just goes through this thing and had, you know, a great relationship with President Obama. And 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 it wasn't just because he's a celebrity and they're, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. high up in the world. It was he was, you know, it's negotiation. He was trying to get what he wanted yeah. done. He wanted to be more than just a singer. He wanted to have he felt one thing he said, I guess this was my this was my takeaway, I guess, if there's a takeaway. Yeah, give me the, yeah, the one thing he said. um People come into his life and his and his wife, he's like, they've been together since they were like 14. Okay. And they're still married and have four kids. I mean, just, and he says, he said that some people come along as your, I think he called them a spirit guide at different p- times in your life. And they make, they may come, they may go, but you needed that spirit guide at that moment in your life. And I, to me, I thought back to different so times true. in my life. About the spirit guides that walked through with me through certain times in my life, and they may not still be with me, mm-hmm. but at that point they they got me through this this. And he's very religious and very I, spiritual. I, I love that. Yeah, yeah, it was so cool. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, we all need that moment of guidance. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if it's during a challenging time in life or just a massively successful time in life, like yeah. somebody to help guide you through those moments. Yeah. I love that. And what I do now is I think about him and think about that idea and like, and like pray for my kids to have whatever spirit guide they need Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. at the time. And, you know, in this time in their life, is there somebody or, you know, prepare a guide for for them down the road? For me, that's, I've been thinking a lot of, you know, it's a good book if you can't stop thinking about it. I think that's so, so true. And this idea of surrounding yourself with the people who bring, in, spiritual influence, positive influence, you know, you find them everywhere, yep. you know, and and if you're looking for good people to surround yourself with, to make great decisions, I mean, they're everywhere. Yeah. You know, I, yep. I mean, I, I, I can't tell you, I mean, every single day there's somebody who does something wonderful in my life to make it that much better. Yeah. And if you're looking for, I think that's the point. You gotta be looking it's like, for you it. gotta, you yeah. gotta look up, you gotta get out of mm-hmm. your own head, mm-hmm. out of your own phone. Yeah. Well, and then living life to know that it's not about you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's such a big thing. Yep. I mean, if you stop focusing on you and you start focusing on the people around you, you meet so many wonderful people who are trying to do something great in this world. Yeah. So true. And then you can be part of it. Yeah. 
You know, like one of the decisions I made long, long, long ago in my career is I made a decision that I would work with good people trying to do great things. And every once in a while I come across somebody who, let's just say, they're not good people. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't want to work with you because together we're not going to do great things. So finding the right people to surround yourself with, I got to believe that that is part of the secret to success. Yeah. And don't you find that it's, you know, you come across those people that maybe aren't great people or, you you know, you're like, yeah, this, this isn't going to work. But those are few and far between. Don't they you are. Think? They are. I, I just find. Yeah. And that's what people are like. Oh, people are terrible. I'm like, eh. but isn't it the more you get to know them, the more you start to that's realize true. that, oh, you are a great person. Yeah. You know, but and there are those that you're like, those. Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to. That's yeah. you're just not going to be my spirit guide yeah, through yeah. this part of my life. <laughs> high five and I'll just move on. That's right. That's exactly. <laughs> oh, Steve, this has been a great conversation. I've uh, we uh, I've so thoroughly enjoyed working with you and we will continue. The to do feelings that. mutual. Great stuff to come still. Yep. Yep. Keep watching for our show up and Boncom uh, partnerships as we move forward. So thank you again for being with me. Thanks so much for having me.